In this episode, I sat down with Dollar Store DM to talk about world building, streaming, and much more. So stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear is a tabletop gaming company that provides affordable and versatile tabletop gaming products. What I love about their products is that you can purchase any of their dice trays, dice towers, or any other products and use it across multiple gaming systems. For example, if you've been playing D&D for a while, but you now want to start playing Star Wars Legion, you can take the dice trays and dice towers that you've purchased and start utilizing it for Star Wars Legion. In addition to that, you can buy one of their dice trays or dice towers and still have room in your budget to purchase the core rule books or anything else you need for whatever system you're playing. Now, if this is something that is going to interest you and that you and your players are going to be able to utilize, I highly recommend going to roamingplayergear.com, link in the description, and use the code word ROAMING20 at checkout for 20% off your final purchase. Again, that's ROAMING, R-O-A-M-I-N-G, 2-0, to receive 20% off your final purchase. All right, thank you for joining Dollar Store DM. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I have some coffee. I can't complain, really. Um, <laughs> actually, this coffee is from, I'm a huge coffee snob, and this coffee is from Cafe Du Monde up in, or down in New Orleans. So they like can it and everything, and they just ship it out. So I was like, yeah, it's a, you know, it has chicory in it. So it's giving me that, you know, nice uh, spice early. Well, it's not the morning for me anymore, but I'll pretend it is. That's yeah, the morning over here. There See, you go. My husband would be super into that. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Well, maybe what I can do is uh, send you a link for your hubby to go get that coffee. Because if he loves coffee, he'll really like this. But anyway, I digress. I'm, this podcast, folks will know that I digress at times, but it's okay because <laughs> we can talk about anything. But, you know, I know that we started hanging out in the community because of the Evermore game. And lately, a lot of the guests that I've had on this podcast have been from Evermore. So thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. <laughs> but I really, you know, for the folks out there that don't know, you are someone in the Instagram community that is involved in a lot of things whether it's being a dungeon master, podcaster, uh, terrain builder, you know, world builder and storyteller, you're doing a lot of things. So if you don't mind, can you take a couple of uh, minutes, just kind of introduce yourself and talk to us about um, when you started playing D&D and tabletop games and how you evolved from starting, you know, from start to where you're at now? Yeah, I've actually haven't been playing tabletop games for very long. We started about four years ago. And so I've been DMing for like three and a half because I like telling stories and I liked writing stories. So I wrote like a one shot for the campaign that I was playing in, Mm -hmm. um, which was super fun to run. And then I ran another one shot that turned into an entire campaign that I hadn't planned on doing (laughs) as as happens. For sure. For sure. Campaigns are usually between one hour and 11 months. Or one shots are between one you hour know, and 11 months. That's, that is absolutely correct. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love it when people say, oh yeah, one shot, six sessions. Mm, good luck. Yep. 
good luck. That's they actually been really hard to do in terms. So my my big baby brainchild thing mm -hmm. uh, is the art of adventure stream, and okay. that has its own challenge of it has to be a one shot. You have sure. to get through the entire thing for sure in your four hours, and you have different DMs every time. So it's yeah. definitely been interesting watching how each person approaches moving the thing forward. Yeah. Uh, so that's been really cool. I'm excited to be the person moving the thing forward in how many days? When is Saturday from now? It's Wednesday? Yeah. It's so <laughs> in, holy crap, in a couple of, as of time of recording, it'll be, you know, three days. Yeah. Three days on the 10th. Ooh, that's right. Awesome. And that, well, we'll talk more about that because yeah. I definitely want to make sure that folks can catch, you know, the video on demand or whatever, uh, based upon the time of production or, or rather release. However, you mentioned something though. You mentioned about that one shot that, you know, it can either be an hour to 11 months. So from your perspective and for the folks out there as a dun as a dungeon master or even a game master, what are some of your steps? Because I'm really intrigued by how you stated that, right? A lot of folks think that a one shot can only be X. It has to be this amount of time. But theoretically, a one shot can just be a snippet in time that takes X amount of months, years, whatever, right? So talk to me about that. What do you think is your, what is your approach when you are writing a D&D campaign, a one shot, whatever it may be? Uh, the big difference between the one shot and the campaign is the amount of lore I write. Okay. The current campaign that I'm running, mm -hmm. I spent nine months with a notebook writing lore and it's it's a literal baby cheers <laughs> uh you know what you got me at lore um and i'm a bit of a lore um Boy. yeah i won't say the other word but you know <laughs> what i mean oh yeah so continue i'm now really invested with the lore aspect so you spent nine months yep like nine calendar months nine calendar lore. months okay okay like writing lore i made a website for my players that oh, hell like yes They've sometimes gone to, it's mostly for myself at this point. What website are you using? Uh, I used a Weebly just because it's free because mm -hmm. I live up to my username and yep. I like to find the free workarounds for things. For sure. Uh, but did you like, build I it like a wiki page? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the, the Weebly, you can, it's, Weebly is really cool because you can like drag and drop. These are the, the skills you get from teaching for five years. <laughs> is you learn how to teach Understood. people to use Weebly. Yep. Uh, so you can drag and drop and build the website. It's super easy. Nice. Um, and they have free plans, kind of. Okay. Uh, where it doesn't have as much functionality, but you can still move things around. So it worked for what I needed it to do, which was mostly just organize all of the lore. Like I got down to uh, the kinds of foods at feasts and uh, attire, uh, mounts all the lore it's I love this Plants. world it's it's it. really fun see that kindred spirit here because for me like I think that that's so important right you as a dungeon master or both of us as dungeon masters you know I I, I would actually say yes we're storytellers but we're more world builders right hence the reason you know I thought okay the bearded nerd it wants to showcase all these world builders. And I love that you, you stated nine months of getting down to that granularity. And 
my question, you know, again, to every world builder is what triggered it? What was the thing that made you say, I'm going to start with this versus a module? You know what I mean? Uh, the first thing I ever ran that first or not the first one shot. Cause I wrote that one. I was mm-hmm. literally, we were driving around New Zealand on our honeymoon and I'm sitting in the side nice. on my phone, on the notes app, like nice. writing. <laughs> uh, but the second one was a module. It was Skyhorn lighthouse. Okay. Okay. And within probably two minutes, my players bless their, bless their souls. I love them. They already were like, let's go steal a ship and sail away. I'm like, the session will be done. <laughs> like there's nothing over there. Yeah. Like there's not, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll sink your ship. Maybe, maybe that'll <laughs> stop you. I don't know. Invisible uh, but it definitely was with my players, especially okay. like I need to know everything about the world because they will try and break it. <laughs> yes. I understood. I've been there. And I, I love them for it because it pushes me a little bit further. Yeah. Um, now that this is my second one that I've written, uh, this Damara campaign, uh, it's been really cool because I, when they started, because the first, the first one, I didn't make them really give me a backstory because I was super new. This time I was like, here's a Google form. Yep. <laughs> you yep. need to give me important NPCs to you. You need to give me, what do you want? What do you fear? All of it. Yeah. And then I wrote an individual character arc for each player it is placed within this the we're going from level nine to 20 at nine. some point they will reach their character arc yeah i i like how you how you mentioned that that you, you know starting from like tier two to like tier four right so a lot of folks on the show have heard me talk about it before and i don't know what you think about this but like tier one is like level one through five you know and it coincides into that uh, order and I love how you broke apart and said okay between these tiers between these levels they will reach their character arc now obviously level 20 is kind of that like at least in fifth edition because I believe in older editions they had some sort of system where you can like go past you know go beyond level 20 yeah they're like boons or something yeah something of that nature and honestly like I would love I would love to see that or what I would love to see is what uh, the Lord of the Rings, the one ring table RPG is doing, where basically when your heroes are going to retire, they choose a successor, which then makes it right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like now you have that level 20 adventurer that chooses a successor. And then that successor is the next character that that player is going to play. That would that's fantastic. That's brilliant. Um, That's really cool. But I love that care. I love how you've had that formalization because for me, if you don't formalize, if you don't make it formal, if you don't make it, this is what it is. This is how, you know, what's your, what are your fears? What are your uh, strengths? You know, what is your willpower in the regards of, um, you know, does your character overindulging cakes and sweets, you know, even that little detail can be. We have one. We have one that has that exact thing. Okay. the Yanti. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, pause. Now, please explain, because now I just threw that out there. So what is there? So how do you use that then as a dungeon master? Because I'm really curious. Uh, He uses it mostly as a RP opportunity. Okay, cool. He's he's this like Yanti blood hunter, like 
totally no nonsense and then you put him in a tavern and you mention that that smells like cinnamon and he just turns into this like little gimme 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 yes okay (laughs) i love this i love that though and and but it would not have happened if you wouldn't have asked those type of questions so okay so you were saying that you were on your honeymoon, you're typing all this up and you're, and you're kind of going from there. So how did it evolve though? So did it, was it just the placement of, uh, of things in time or did, or were there certain events in your world building kind of like career, so to speak, that basically inspired you to say, you know what, I should ask this question, or maybe I shouldn't go into this until they reach tier two or whatever. What, what are your thoughts behind that? Honestly, a lot of it was running through that first campaign. Okay. I, there were some mistakes were made. (laughs) Um, I learned very quickly. So the first campaign was a pirate campaign. And I learned real fast that D&D and boats don't always get along. Mm, No, no. And physics. All of, most of my players are engineers. Oh, nice. And I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. So, so like. I've had to learn physics problems. Like I teach science, but I don't teach on their level of like understanding the mechanics of a ship. Uh, Um, so that whole campaign inspired me. A, uh, my current campaign is half casters max because I knew I wanted to take it to level 20 and I haven't run anything higher than probably 15. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm comfortable having full casters at level 20. And mm. so there's a whole lore background why there are no full casters. Yeah. Um, but it also makes my life a little easier. And it sure. forced them to not play the same characters that they tend to play. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So there's, it's not necessarily railroading. It's not necessarily like sandboxing, which what it seems like you're doing is putting in the guidelines, just like in our world. There are, mm-hmm. you know, there's only, you know, I can't jump from my, well, I could jump from my roof, but I'm not, I shouldn't expect myself to sprout wings and fly. There are certain laws in which you as a dungeon master have to implement into your world. And that's usually how we'll go about it is there's overarching rules of the world. Here are the restrictions. Yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want within those restrictions. Absolutely. I will totally reflavor things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like if you want to play a certain, like race but have it flavored in a different way let's go for it that sounds awesome well and i say i love that and it reminds me of something that i'm currently doing which for the players that are listening to this cover your ears (laughs) um but for those of you who aren't playing in the game just yet take this into consideration and i'd love to hear what your opinion is about this I have a character or I have a couple of players who are playing as hybrid NPCs, right? They're manipulating and shifting the world because, well, first as a player, they don't have a lot of time to commit because they are running their own games. And one specific person works like 80, 90 hours as a blacksmith. So I was like, all right, no problem. But I personally like to run things in in the same vein where it's like, I'm going to create this heavy lore. However, Within the lore and the restrictions of the world, you can do whatever you want. But give or take, you know, you're talking about casters and at that high level, my world's a little bit opposite right now. In the time period that we're in, magic is like wild, so to speak. So 
you get that old sorcerer, uh, the wild magic sorcerer table. And essentially every time uh, a high level caster, you know, uses a spell or whatever, something pops off. I kind of run the world like, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, My Hero Academia. Uh, uh, not entirely. Okay. Well, the premise is that all, you know, 80% of that world has a superpower or what's called a quirk. Same thing with my world. About 80% of people can use magic in some sort of fashion because of what happened to the big bad evil person. And now like the world's kind of chaotic because, you know, you could be a farmer and now you cast, you, you know, you cast a spell for rain to occur. Well, something's going to give, right? Because now do you know how to control it? Do you know to not over flood your garden or your crops where now it's going to get drenched in water or wait a minute. Now the other villagers and the other towns, people are going to say, wait a minute, are you a blessing, a curse? Are you some sort of God or are you some sort of power that the Duke or the, you know, count or whoever can now abuse of. So there's a lot of like balance in that regard. And I, I thought to myself, okay, like how crazy is it to introduce it when my players are like level three? Yeah. Give, I don't know. It, I, and that's where I love to get your opinion on it because for something like that and for the folks out there listening, that's kind of, could be a lot. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's a lot. Like the fact that I, you know, you have to roll something on the wild magic, you know, you, you know, there's, it's a lot to it, but from your perspective, when you have, let's say a player were to bring up that idea, how do you handle those situations? And what do you think about that? How do you try to balance it from a dungeon master perspective? For me, that first of all, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Lots of nights, lots of coffee, thinking about it. You know. Yeah, it sounds honestly deep. a lot like the uh, the fallen empire that predates the modern world of my world because mm. it was very much sorcerous magic powered by a Dracolich's soul captured in a vessel that was just in the city, mm -hmm. uh, and then it gave everybody magic, and then it went bonkers and now there's no more magic well there's li limited magic okay so is it limited so, oh hence the half the the half casters yeah got it okay so actually perfect question so is like are spells like resurrection then limited to certain classes or certain levels so uh it's the the classes and the class spells stay the same okay cool so eventually an artificer can can do revivify but no one's ever going to get true resurrection. Got it. No one is going to get a ninth level spell. The highest they get, I think, is five if you're a half caster. Uh, okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. So, so there, is, there isn't even an NPC that is at such an OP level that they couldn't use. Like there, are no, there is one sorcerer in the world. And that's because she was trapped in a mirror of life trapping. And, and anyone who's been playing in Yashai with me will know that it's the exact same character that I'm playing in Ray's world, but with less trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I reused laughing. an NPC from my own world and then he abused her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't wait for all the Evermore folks to see to listen to this because this is just going to be the greatest. Well, <laughs> the original version of her, she's so sweet. She's like, just got, she got stuck in a mirror. Yeah. And was in the mirror when the maddening happened which was yeah, yeah, yeah. like 
Armageddon event. Yeah. Um, so it didn't affect her. She's still a draconic bloodline sorcerer. Yeah. Makes she is the only one now in the world. And the party carries her around everywhere because they're so paranoid something's going to happen to her. Okay. So that mirror is the source of her, like, she, can she at will go there? Nope. They broke it. Because it was, it was inside a archmage's, like, pocket dimension. Okay. Um, she had just gotten stuck there. She'd broken in to find an artifact. And she got sucked in 8,000 years ago. And the party stumbled upon it, and one of them got sucked in, so they broke it, and then they both popped out. <laughs> Interesting. That's really, and I love how you're using like pocket dimensions and all this other stuff because like there are so many things available from a dungeon master perspective. And again, it goes back to the point it's like, you know, how do we pull that stuff, right? You know, we don't just pull it out of the thin air there's got to be something that at least logically speaking there's got to be something that triggers that and like how do you pull things from your inspiration of like books movies tv do you all pull the it from time Dun- okay all I was gonna- the time okay there's way too much horizon zero dawn in my current campaign because <laughs> it's it's very high magic tech so i was yes. like well i like the city of meridian what if what if the capital city Uthdamel just was basically Meridian. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can copy and paste it, no problem. And I think like, have you ever encountered a player who has said, hey, this is a copy and paste of this and they don't like it? Oh, not at all. It becomes like little Easter eggs. I steal a lot from uh, Dragon Age. Yeah. And yeah. one of my players, the one who Hell the one yeah. who uh, has like the cinnamon roll obsession. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one of our new players, they both really like Dragon Age and have played through it. So every so often they'll be like, I know this thing. Yep. Yep. It, it, it's a, it's, you said it perfectly. It's an Easter egg where players get excited and giddy about. I mean, the one player I mentioned, he's the blacksmith, both in real life and in the game. He's a blacksmith merchant that if you ever start playing in the game, whether it's a one shot or not, and you encounter him, have fun. <laughs> have fun because he is specifically someone that is of value and of worth. Well, everyone is, but he's like high level NPC to the point where let's just say that if you get on his good side, you like any item you ever need or want in life, he's got you covered. Um, And I say that very kind of tongue in cheek, just because for the players that are listening that I know are not covering their ears. I'm, you know, I want to make sure that there is still some surprise left, but you know, I, you know, with all that being said though, I'm really, I'm really adamant and big about that world building. As you know, we've talked about, I get giddy over it. And for some folks though, that may or may not have that natural connotation to world build, or they just don't know where to start. Could you tell us a couple of things that you did to kind of, um, or, or not did rather, but what you currently do to kind of work those gears, right? I think it's like a muscle, um, world building, writing and things of that. It's like a muscle. You have to write, in my opinion, you should write often, have a little notebook with you or something, but give us some of your tips. What do you recommend for those individuals who are listening, who want to be a better or to be better world builders? Yeah. Like you were saying, write all the time. Uh, I, just because of how my brain works, Mm -hmm. I often will find myself kind of drifting off into space and 
just daydreaming and i come up with a lot of my world building type things just driving quietly or with a certain playlist in my car on the way home from work um but i also do have that same notebook that i spent nine months with it goes on every trip that we go on nice i brought it to uh, Colorado recently. I brought it to Yosemite. Uh, it nice. just, it travels with me because sometimes I'll have an idea and I'm like, Ooh, I need to write this down. I thought of something for this person's story arc, or I thought of a really cool NPC I want to bring in. Yeah. I also have an unlimited amount of Google docs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. it kind of depends on what you're looking to be writing. If you're okay. looking for storylines, read yep. or watch a movie get inspiration from things. If you're looking for interesting NPCs, you might want to throw in. I love Pinterest. I love just like typing in like elf and going through uh, or looking for a specific aesthetic. And then I have a Pinterest board that has like, these are really cool images that I could probably then turn into a PC. That's what I use. Pinterest was my, honestly, Pinterest is where everything started for me. Um, My wife introduced me to Pinterest and I was like, Ooh, I can have an inspiration board. I've talked about oh, it yeah. before. And especially like, you know, growing up, I was dirt broke. I couldn't afford a lot of things. I couldn't. So when I went to the game store and was able to talk, I had that notebook um, when I was able to do all these things. And that's why I love like your, I, I love your message and I love what you do for the community where it's like, Hey, you can do these things. Right. And I mean, and terrain is something I want to talk about. You can build terrain relatively inexpensive world building is probably the the most or, or the least expensive thing rather that you can do as a dungeon master all you really need is like I, if you have a, a access to like a notebook and a pen or a pencil probably a pencil because you're probably going to erase things here and there but you know whatever um dealer's choice i guess but like notebook and some sort of writing utensil a computer that like you said if you have access to unlimited google docs holy crap that you can build a wiki page because i may or may not have done that before and i currently do build wiki pages out spreadsheets word docs i mean a world anvil and i'm none of these i'm like i don't have any sponsorship by them but like a world anvil page is like pretty dope. You can do a lot of stuff with that too. But again, a lot of the stuff you can do is free or relatively inexpensive. Um, but so kind of switching, we're talking, I wanted to talk about terrain because I know you've been building terrain. Or I know, I know you've been dabbling in it. When did that start? When did you, when did you say, Hey, I want to start building terrain? Was it at the same time you started playing D and D or later? Uh, we didn't start using like actual terrain until mm-hmm. like maybe a year year and a half ago word okay. um we had been using essentially we have a we started off with just like a whiteboard sure. and some i what i would do is i'd take bottle caps uh and then i'd cut out a little circle and mm-hmm. make a design for each character okay and so that became their like mini token and okay. i still have all of them like every pc who's played has a token uh we now have actual minis because now i have a printer but oh, nice. i still like to make them and i'll make them for uh like monsters Oh, Especially legit. If they're like medium sized because I don't have all of the monsters. Yeah, I don't I don't print and paint enough to really have a big repertoire, nor do I really have the space for it. Um, Understood. In terms of terrain, it mostly started with me just like throwing some trash together. Uh, okay. Most of my stuff is recycled Amazon boxes. Word. 
uh like that was the first thing I made I think it's like my first post on Instagram is like dungeon tiles that are legitimately I took a slice of cardboard took an exacto knife made one inch squares on it and then took the back of a paintbrush and like gouged out the lines between the squares and they were tiles hell hell yeah great I still use the technique it's one of my favorite things I might have to get with you on that because I'm I'm a noob when it comes to you know terrain and stuff. I think and I don't know about you, but I feel like dungeon tiles are like the easier thing to like. It's a great place for people like myself who are completely new to terrain to make. Gives you that okay. confidence, and you're gonna always use a dungeon tile. Um, They're fantastic. I love them, and like you can make them as big or as small as you want. True. True. And honestly, let's be let, okay. And, and let's be 100% real. Most people are buying stuff from Amazon. Most people are, I mean, you can get, you can honestly go, this is going to be a little extra, but for the folks out there listening, just pay, just, just hear me out. You can go to places like Chick-fil-A. You can go to places like McDonald's, all the like, you know, fast food restaurants. You can go anywhere who's throwing away boxes, right? You can even go to like your grocery store, say, Hey, can I get some boxes? They'll give it to you. And now you just have a bunch of cardboard that you can use for your crafting. I think last night I was, and I don't know, um, do you restrict, actually, this is a question. Do you restrict your terrain to only D&D or like fantasy? Or do you build like Warhammer stuff? Do you, have you dabbled in that? Like what's what's your limitation? I haven't done any Warhammer. Most of the time, if I'm building terrain, it is either for the stream or it's for my table. just because I don't have the space to store a lot of it. Um, I'm, I've definitely run out already. And I was looking at the closet yesterday going, oh no. Yeah, I'm, I that's how I space. am with minis right now. Um, it's, a, it's a problem. Yeah. But I'm not going to ever stop buying minis. So that's, you know. Yeah, we need to come up with a storage solution there. Uh, especially because I've just built a like big warehouse Ooh. for the stream. And oh my God, it's so cool. And I'm like, it's killing me that I can't post anything about it because like it's like it won't be on stream until the 31st of july oh yeah okay so i'm yeah. like i can't show anybody but it's really cool <laughs> you can show behind you can you see the cool thing is you can take the pictures and do all that and then have the behind the scenes stuff so that yeah. when you're ready to release it you can give us all a little little glimpse oh yeah at it. oh yeah so but okay so we 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 hit that terrain part but again i'm gonna go back to the stream so where did the idea or the concept come up with this stream? And can you give us a little bit of that background about what the stream is? Because I want to make sure folks are able to capture it and kind of say, oh, I, I want to see this now. Yeah, so it started as me in like legitimately like waking up and like, you know, it'd be kind of fun to play D&D with some of my new online friends because sure. I'd been on Instagram for like six months at that point. I'd okay. Good amount of like, buddies across the world and I was like oh that'd be really fun and I posted up a story that was like hey would anyone be interested in just like playing a game online uh and I had a few people uh kind of contact me from it and then I was talking with one of them uh Shadow Weave Miniatures Chris uh we mm-hmm. were chatting back and forth and we came to the conclusion of like this could be a thing like and we we started talking about the concept of, of what became the art of adventure where each month it's different creators and we craft for the next group's DM. So then it becomes this like pass it on project. And I really wasn't anticipating it taking off. Mm -hmm. When I pitched it to the first group, I was like, hey, this is the idea. 
mm-hmm. because you're the first group. I, this is where I was like, I don't know if this is going to work because as the first group they had to create for themselves and then create for the next group. Yeah. So I was asking them to double craft for me True. as volunteers and blessings to all of them. They have, they all were like, we are so down. We are into this. Let's do it. And I think I all of them now have been repeat players too. Word. Okay. Or are going to be. That's awesome. And you know what? That's what about, okay. So that just sounds really badass. where you're basically from what I'm understanding is that you're have essentially every continuous or every class, so to speak, it's like a class, right? It's like, you know, a group of these players or whoever it's leaving a legacy for the next group. That's yes. how I interpret it at least. And I love how they're so, and then that's what I think about the D and D community as well is that it's very unique within the D and D community than Pathfinder and other tabletop, because I don't, I don't know why. And actually that's a good point to probably ask is I feel like this, that concept works perfectly in the D and D community because everyone's really selfless, so to speak. Like, yeah. Hey, here you go. Let's do this. Or, Hey, here you go. Like I could pro like, I don't want to assume, but I feel like I could ask folks within the community. Hey, I have this, I don't have a 3d printer, but I have this STL that I bought, which I really do. And I need it printed and painted. Can someone help me out? And I will pay for the, you know, coverage and folks would do it. Like, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and so do you, so with that concept though, and with what, you know, with your stream, like with that idea, do you think it can translate into other gaming systems or is it just something unique um, to D&D that, or, or do you think it's unique to just D&D? Not at all. Uh, we've actually had people come on the stream who'd never played D&D before. Oh, sweet. Uh, their first time, we had two of them in one session once. Legit. It was their first time ever playing D&D. Mm-hmm. It was live on the internet. Hell yeah. Uh, but we've also had a bunch of people who do Warhammer, uh, Pathfinder Ooh. people, uh, people who like to do all the things. For sure. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool because we've been able to see like everyone's bringing in these different experiences and different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see it in their crafting styles too. Uh, you can see like the people who are more Warhammer uh, will have a slightly different painting style sometimes For than sure. the D&D people because they're used to painting different kinds of minis. True. Uh, so the people who do both have this like great flexibility. I I am not a mini painter. I am not like I am I dabble. Yeah. <laughs> I dabble in a lot of things. I hear that. I, I'm I'm going for the Bardic Jack of all trades. I hear that. Master uh, of none. I I well um, I, I know there's the full saying for that, and I will find uh, it's, it. It's a jack of all trades is a master of none, but uh, something about will always be greater than a master of one. Yes. Um, I'm going to actually jack of all trades. I'm going to, we're, we're doing this live. I'm, I'm looking, I'm Googling this, y'all, because <laughs> if I don't, then it's going to drive me crazy. It is going to drive me crazy. But, <laughs> anyway as it's as it's loading like one and and i love that concept because i think you know we have in the instagram community we have a lot of people who hyper focus on a particular thing um we have you know we have so many representatives of of each kind of subcategory of the hobby that it's really refreshing to know that hey we can branch that 
Like we can, like, if like, I know I consider myself like a world builder. That's my forte. That's what I, but that's mostly because I love doing that, but I'm not going to be stepping on anyone's shoes. If I start building terrain. No, not at all. And that's what I love about it. Cause I think sometimes within other communities, you don't see that as often because the people who were before them didn't allow that to happen. Right. They kind of did the gatekeeping thing, which that's a whole different conversation and topic, but from my connotation, y'all probably already know I've always been against that point is um, like with that kind of flexibility, do you feel though that certain people, let's say from a terrain perspective, from, from a world building perspective, when they focus on X thing, do you think that it's a good thing for them to do that? To like, kind of say, okay, this is my bread and butter, but feel free to dabble. Or do you think everyone should be kind of that jack of all trades? What, what's your personal opinion on that? I think it depends on the person. Like I enjoy, it's very much my own ADD brain that I can't just do one thing. And if I did just one thing, I'd get bored of it. But for other people, like that's like painting is how they deal with the world around them. It gives them that clarity and it's what they feel like, hey, I can accomplish this. Yeah. And that's wonderful. So don't beat yourself up if you don't know how to paint or whatever it may be, you know, like basically don't beat yourself up if your thing is just this or if you want to do all the things don't beat yourself up for that too whatever gives you the serotonin at the end of the day that's what we're all here for (laughs) that's right that's right this is like i said this is our escapism this is our our hobby to have fun and you know i think sometimes and i've there's been episodes about monetizing from D D and from your hobby and we can definitely talk talk about that but at first and foremost if it's not enjoyable then it's not even worth doing you yeah. might as well stick to your nine to five so to speak um and actually so speaking about that because my wife's a teacher have you brought D and your hobby into education yes so uh i teach middle school which my is wife does too. just the the most fun <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, I've heard. They're stories. funny kids. They're funny kids. Yes. And honestly, D&D is perfect for them. They're at the age where uh, they can, they have to start learning how to kind of collaborate with each other. And True. they're understanding that other people have lives and other people have things going on and empathy. True. And I started a D&D club with my students because they asked me to four years ago Oh, well, um, with like my first group. They were they were my babies. I had them for two years. I loved them. Uh, I mean, I love all my kids, but they were like my first group ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were they sixth grade? Uh, seventh. Okay, okay. Uh, but they asked me to start a D&D club because they found out that I played. Um, awesome. And then it kind of just became a thing. And it was all the kids who, like, it, it really helped a lot of the kids who had trouble connecting and mm-hmm. had trouble kind of expressing themselves. It gave them a space that they could. Okay. Uh, even through being some other character. And I've always, I've always been a proponent of that sort of like exploration and being able to like express yourself, even if it's not you. Like when I was in middle school, I wrote stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a lot of short stories. They were terrible. I have them somewhere and they will never see the light of day. <laughs> but, <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. But I enjoyed writing them because it For felt sure. like a way of getting like the thoughts out of my head. Yeah. And I see it a lot in these kids when they get to play. Um, like I made them all little tokens and they were so excited. Uh, and like the, we spend like two weeks building their characters because I have to teach them from the ground up. 
and okay like two years ago i think i had 15 kids holy crap that's awesome and this school has maybe 300 total that's a good percentage though that's a sizable percentage we had to split between two like because we would meet once a week but i was like i can't i can't dm 15 of you guys at the same time when none like maybe one of you has played before like i can't do that (laughs) i pride (laughs) myself on i can do a big group like i have no issue running for a big group for sure 15 13 year olds is a lot uh just a bit just a bit so we had like a team and b team Okay, that's smart. So like really good. A team would play one week and B team would still show up because they enjoyed being in the space and they'd go and like play a game in the corner. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? And I mean, I think we've something that I've learned throughout just like you've probably learned as well is you don't turn down anyone who's willing to come to the table. Absolutely not. Like that's a big no-no. Um at least in my book it's a big no-no because it's kind of like I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It's kind of like when someone comes to your house and they're hungry, right? In this case, maybe they're physically hungry. You don't deny them food. And, and this is probably the Cuban in me talking. So y'all just take that with the grain of salt. <laughs> I'll feed anyone. Um, but at the gaming table, you're feeding their minds or you're feeding their souls as well. And in, in a, in a you know, smaller way or in a bigger way. I don't know, but um, you're feeding them. So don't turn them down. And I love that you've done that, you know, through your students and whatnot. And it seems like just in general that you you have placed yourself in the D&D community as someone who can feed many people from, the, you know, from a terrain perspective, from your stream, from, I know, you know, you're talking about mini painting and I know you say that you're not, you, you don't consider yourself great, but hey, you could still, you know, hang out with people. You can still do that. And I, and I really, and I really love that about what you're doing. Um, but you mentioned also, like we were talking about Evermore and Ray's game as well. And you brought that player, you know, your PC kind of <laughs> into the world. How, what other things have you brought or have not brought? Like what things have you decided as a dungeon master? I want to bring this, but I don't bring this. And whether it's Evermore, whether it's any other game, like what are some of the things and how do you discern what to bring and what not to bring? Uh, kind of depends on the situation because okay. I've got I've got all the ideas yep. and I just kind of pick between them. And it kind of depends on uh, with my own world, kind of how my players are going about it. Like I have okay. so many NPCs that are in this world uh, that they ha- they have not and probably will not meet. Just yeah. because it's not the direction they are showing me they want to go. Correct. Um, and that's part of why it took me nine months to write this thing, because mm-hmm. I had to build all of them and giving them the options, but also understanding, like, I got to give up this NPC because they want to taste this storyline. Gotcha. Uh, which is fine. Like, at a point, like, it's, I, I don't like to over control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give them a little, I, there are rails. They're just kind of branch around. <laughs> they can, like they bamboo. Can they, they, can, they can bend a little bit, you know? Yeah. I yeah. get there's, that. It, there's a clear, like, there is a main plot. There are For things sure. that will happen in this world, regardless of what they do, uh, mm-hmm. just because there, there are mechanisms occurring in the world either way. Now, how they happen depends on how the party does things. For sure. How they respond, uh, how they react. But um, there are things that will happen. Yep. For sure. For sure. 
I, I run it very similarly. It's kind of like Skyrim or like one of my favorite game, games, Kingdoms of Amalur, um, kind of like an indie-ish game. I've and, heard so many good things about that. Oh my gosh. It's, oh, it's so good. It's just, it's, it's like chef's kiss. Great. It's five out of five. It's, it was, I, if you, if you have a PlayStation three or anything that would support it, yep. pick that game up folks pick it up it's one of the best games out there it's inspired me for sure um i mean i the gnomes in that world have a very praetor you know very roman like aspect in that game and i definitely took that concept and placed it in my game because i thought that would be awesome but then i said hmm it just expanded into let me add some steampunk because i like steampunk elements but also these gnomes have kind of forsaken their gods and they just focus on technology. They're more, they're very much, um, they're very based upon like science and technology. Okay. So I went with that route. And then in my world, goblins and gnomes are actually genetically the same, except what happened is that the, yeah. So the goblins in my world, the first goblin essentially played with magic and cursed themselves, so to speak, um, and became the the they like focus they curse themselves not in like a oh i practice magic and therefore i'm cursed they started abusing of magic to mm. the point it's so i think of it like when you abuse of anything right in this case they noticed that magic enhanced themselves like they could use magic to enhance themselves so they would like cast you know oh i'm casting this spell i'm casting that spell i'm creating and they started to the point where it's like now the reason why goblins are the way they are physically is because of that evolution. It's started, you know, all that magic started to really take effect and the body cannot, um, at least in my world, the body cannot undergo so much magic without some sort of release or without some sort of like therapy, so to speak. Right. Um, you can't revivify someone without some sort of cost in my world, whether it's a memory or memories, whether it's, you know, a fragment of their soul, just don't know. So the gnomes saw that and would tell their people and their children, this is what happens when you play with magic, you can't trust it, it's too wild. Therefore, science is logical, it could be understood, and you can develop from there, right? Um, both are, you know, obviously, like there's, in my world, it's all about balance. Right. So the, the character class, the characters and the classes and the races, none of them are like really have balance. And it, you'll always find it in that. So, yeah, like basically, you know, that game really inspired a lot. And just like we were talking about earlier, one idea can really trigger this long line of like, well, this is why it is now and so on and so forth. Um, so to your point though and one thing that i always like to make sure is with this community especially from a world building perspective like it could be anything you can bring things from other places like you were saying you you have to choose what's the appropriate time and place um and kind of to go deeper into that with another question if you don't mind me asking like what stops you from bringing something is there like a specific trigger is there a specific maybe besides like what the players are telling right they're telling the story a certain way but if they're telling a story a certain way 
and there's a couple of events that can occur or that is that the trigger or do you think of it from more of like a okay i'm facilitating a story let me add this there and see if it catches more, does that make sense more the second one okay. uh, kind of i'll throw things on the fire okay and be like i wonder how this will go like uh one of my players he his npc that he wrote is mm -hmm. his rival Ooh, so nice. he's playing a barbarian archaeologist i love it oh yeah it's great i i adore his character do they um, rage build when they're in on the at, out on the field or ra rage uh, rage dig uh, he hasn't actually gotten to do any archaeology uh, yet. Okay. There. Um, okay cool. But he, his whole backstory is that uh, he was an archaeologist in this. Basically, he's Indiana Jones to his rival's Belloc. Oh. Where it's like the person that. who keeps stealing your stuff. Like That's you fantastic. do all the work and they're just that step ahead of you that they get the credit. That's fantastic. Uh, so she trapped him and left him for dead in a temple. And that's when he raged for the first time. So like Ooh. all of the, all of this rage is super new. So he's actually learning how to be a barbarian in character. Gotcha. Um, but we were having just a random uh, carnival game session, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which I, I love doing those ones. They're just really fun. But at the same time, I definitely on the little leaderboard that I had on this this one game that they had to like mm -hmm. basically spit fire like like you mm -hmm. you would take this really potent alcohol and then uh, spit it out across a flame and oh, the, nice. the goal was to burn a it was called the dragon's breath and the, uh, the point was to burn a little figure okay um but if you rolled low it basically explodes in your face and you take fire damage gotcha gotcha um he burned through all the rage just because on the leaderboard i put the rival's name that she had done it oh it was just that little detail that i was like this will be fun i didn't think about it before i even did it uh -huh. it was just a spur of the moment like i wonder what he would do he burned through he he got so burned <laughs> by so many of these things and the best part was we we do this thing where we have you ever watched hot ones yeah, absolutely. So tip for people out there, bring it into your D&D &D game. Yeah. Uh, where when they take fire damage, if you're doing a hot one session, mm -hmm. you have a bunch of hot wings and you roll to see how spicy that wing is. Oh, man, that is so good. It was so great. Uh, so a lot of the carnival games, because it was the... Uh, I forget what I called it. I should have called it like the fire, the fire festival, because uh -huh. that would have been hilarious and a call back to the earlier campaign, but I didn't. And I don't remember what I called it. Um, festival of light, probably. Gotcha. And all of the games were fire-based and they kept sucking at them. Oh, but that must've been such a great time though, for the players. Oh, it was amazing. And See, and that, that's what, see, I love, I love hearing those stories. Like I'm the opposite when people talk about their game and their world. Like I love to listen to it. Just, you know, some people, some people get bored of it, but meh, I, I love it. I, I love oh, yeah. those things. And so, okay. So when you're talking about that though, like, do you record your like 
private games, so to speak, that aren't streamed just to have we that record? To, okay. We used to when we did uh, digital. So once COVID hit, we started we uh, on my YouTube channel, all the Deserts of Damara games from like session three to session 13 mm-hmm. are up there. And then we started playing in, in person again. I don't feel like setting up cameras and things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's much easier to have, you know, everybody there. For sure. Um, And that was really cool to be able to go back and have that record of it, especially for when I improv things and then forget what I've improved about five minutes later. Yeah. Like when you, you do a huge lore drop and you're like, I made all of that up. What did I say? Yeah. I definitely, my, my uh, archeologist barbarian player takes the best notes nice so i, but, I, but have, with I have stolen too, but, his notes <laughs> well and and that's the thing it's always good to have that player but sometimes if you don't have that player you know recording yourself or recording your sessions always great obviously like get the yeah. content of your players but like it's always good there's a lot of great benefits you can <clears throat> excuse me you can you know have that oh you just came up with some awesome role play experience and now like you have it there you can watch it or you can even watch yourself and say i really like what we did here or maybe i need to stay away from this because this wasn't really received well mm-hmm. and do you and with your streams and whatnot too like i understand i could probably even assume that that's something that y'all you could use as like data analytics where it's like oh we had a really good stream doing this type of theme Right. Or, you know what? Like, I think everyone in rat would rather do this than that stuff like that. So tip for you all in the audience, record your stuff, streams, sessions, whatever, record it good for later. Excuse me. Um, But anyway, what is your favorite thing to, from a world building DM perspective, what is your favorite topic to hit on and what's your least favorite? Like, is there something you love to write and you can write all day? And then the opposite, obviously. I, I, in terms of the opposite, I found that I don't, I don't do mystery very well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nor do I do horror very well. I know, shocking for where I am in Ray's world. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't pull it off. I can't as a DM or yeah. as a writer, like doing scary, spooky. Okay. It's just, it doesn't fit. For yeah, I'm not a fan of, um, I'll be honest with you, it's very hard for me to do. Really scary. like throw my players? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I get spooked out by horror easily. Like Me too. I, I, All I, the time. Can't watch horror movies. Nope. I, will, I, I remember watching one horror movie, or no, two horror movies in my life. And I could not sleep afterward. I was just like, me. Nope. Um, like I had to, I think the second time I watched it, I, I went, I went ahead and watched Nacho Libre afterward with my buddy. Cause we were like, this is too real. We can't do this. <laughs> so we grabbed like pizza and we watched Nacho Libre instead afterward. So I was like, okay, whatever. I can't, I can't do it. Oh, I um, can't either. That's, that's what's hilarious is I am such a wuss. I don't do haunted houses. I nope. Mm-mm. So funny story about haunted houses. When I was seven years old, I dressed up like Robin because obviously, like that's what you do as a seven-year-old. Yeah. And this scary clown in a haunted house, I mean, scared the living crap out of me. And I proceeded to pull a Robin and I kicked him, 
straight, straight where it hurts. Let's just call oh, it that that's, way. that's fantastic. So if you <laughs> picture 30-year-old Brian with horror, that's essentially how I treat it. I kick horror straight in the the place where it hurts the most. And I'm like, nope, can't, won't do it. Won't do it at all. So I totally hear you with that. Mystery, I'm just bad at writing mystery. I'll be honest. Like, I'm just not good at it. Um, I'm more of, and I don't know, I feel like you may or may not agree with this, but I love like high fantasy. I love steampunk technology. I love all that. I love writing that because it's like, I'm not an engineer, but like I'm a technologist. So I know like certain technologies and I know like, okay, we can do like all these cool robotics, AKA Warforge artificer. Like we can create something with that and make it steampunk, dress it up like that. That's not a problem. I love, and I, I, I tend to hyper-focus on that versus focusing on like being a better mystery writer. So do you think for the folks out there listening, if you are not doing well, or if you're not like, let's say a good mystery writer, do you recommend, uh, recommend focusing on becoming a better mystery writer or just doubling down on what your strengths are and just working on that? What's your approach? I would say it kind of depends on your group, depends on you. Cause for me, my group does like a good mystery. So I've been working on it and I've okay. been working on bringing in like political intrigue and all of that sort of thing yeah. and having more like moral moral grayness yes. for them to figure things out. Game of Thrones. But is. not every player group is going to be into that. Very true. So it kind of depends on your player group and if whether or not you want to push yourself to do it. Uh, I'm just pushing myself lightly at the moment. Like Mm -hmm. I've got some political machinations going, I've got, uh, things working behind the scenes, but it's not so much like mystery and more as there's a world and the world has people and people are complicated. Yeah. And that's, I, you hit the nail on the head though, with political intrigue, like that is a very, that's a topic where we can go into another episode and because that is a whole different way of writing right? Because you have alliances, you have um, factions, you have guilds, you have families even, and their hierarchy, their structures, but also their connections. You know, you're not going to have perfect, you know, we talked about Game of Thrones, like, you know, House Stark is tied to House Baratheon because of, you know, their friendship, right? Mm -hmm. Or the between, you know, Ned and, um, and Robert's friendship. But then the Tullys are aligned with the Starks through marriage. And then House Aaron is through marriage and through all this other stuff. But then you get into some of the other houses like Bearmont, like, okay, yeah, they're good. But then, um, you know, Ned Stark, you know, there's all that lore to it. And some of the houses are only there because, well, our, you know, we're not going to bring shame to our family unless, or we're not going to kill ourselves, right? Because... Um, it, it would be a political, you know, harm to us, but also maybe our house would be wiped out like the Boltons. Right. So there's so much you can play around with that versus like a mystery where, yes, it's good to have mystery. It's good to work on your quote unquote areas of improvement, but it's also really fun to like double down on that area in which you like, as you could probably tell, like, I love political intrigue as well. I love, um, I don't know if you've done this before, but I love like texting or messaging uh, my players as the NPC so that they have that secret message. 
Um, I actually ran a campaign once where my players were playing two characters, one normal adventurer, and then one NPC that was in the court. They had to play a faction that was opposite of their character. So like if the character was a dragonborn, they had to play like a human or, or something other than dragonborn. Um, so that what they would do is that they would have to like basically try to like spy or have allies or do whatever. So they were playing like multiple characters at the same time. It was one of the best. Uh, it was one of the hardest for me as a dungeon master because I had to kind of like oversee everything. But it was one of the greatest campaigns I've ever played because we had players who, okay, Dragonborn and then Dragonborn, right? They were playing their opposite or their similarities, but from like the political entry court where they didn't have a class. I just said, you're not playing a class. You're playing an NPC. You're playing just this like you're just someone i used a lot of the rules from diplomacy and just kind of homebrewed it uh, it was fantastic it was great and i think like taking those ideas into your game again all goes back to the writing goes back to what you like goes back to just really the things that you want to focus on but i know we're we're close to time so i want to make sure that i ask you a couple of questions one when does your stream usually um, air because I want to make sure that folks can follow it. I'll be putting all the links and whatnot, but I want to make sure that folks can follow it and can know what your schedule is for that. Yeah, so we usually will stream at the end of every month, usually the last Saturday of the month. Okay. Uh, that does depend on our like cast members' availability, obviously. Like for sure, this month we have two streams, so on the tenth and on the thirty-first. But that was because sure. I was out of town for a long time, and that's just how it, the cookie crumbles. Uh, but we're Absolutely. aiming for last Saturday of every month um, on Twitch. So on my Instagram, there are links for literally everything. There are a lot of links on that link tree. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. So it'd be better to just for folks, y'all know the schedule last Saturday of the month, but go to your Instagram, which could you tell us what the Instagram is really quick? Yes, it is at dollar underscore store underscore DM. Perfect. So we'll, and I'll place that link in there. So for folks can, you know, go there, you can explore it. And honestly, like check out, check out the Instagram page because it's really helpful. And there's a lot of great tips. I know you also, as a fellow musician, I love some of the things that you've created um, that the royalty free music that you were able to create, which I mean, that whole process within itself is I, as a musician, I love it. And I get, I geek out over it. But it's really cool to see folks in the community also expressing themselves in other artistic forms. And folks like that, something if you love ma if you love mu music, excuse me, let's use magic and music and combine it. That's bad. Anyway, if you're this, is the bard in me, but if you like music, you know, that's something take inspiration from that. And you could probably I'm going to assume this probably hit you up and say, hey, I need some guidance in this. Like you're the type of person that I know, like would answer that call. Absolutely. Uh, so to speak, because again, and one of the uh, tracks that you could, that you were featured on was in the Evermore Tales for the Initiative Order. And again, great friends of ours mutually love them all to death. Great people. Um, so if you haven't caught that track, catch it on the Initiative Order. It's the Evermore Tales stream. They did, it was specifically with Corvi. Fantastic session great stream, great actors on there. Just freaking fantastic. Yeah, I'm um, so excited for the next episode too. I really am. And there's a lot of things that I don't know how 
I don't know how it, it's again, it's kind of like uh, your favorite Netflix or whatever streaming channel where I'm like, I really want to like talk theories with people, but I don't, I don't want to spoil anything because I have like some of the knowledge of like, just by playing in the world, we know like, Oh, this happened or that happened. And this is technically a tale of it's, it's an origin story kind of think of it like that folks. It's kind of like an origin story. It's not necessarily like MCU origin story. No, no, no. This is Evermore is unique. It's not going to be like that. Um, So if you want to see it though, catch it. You're also going to catch the track on there again. Chef's kiss. It was fantastic. I loved it because I'm, I'm a musician, I'm a drummer. And I'm like, when I hear things a certain way, like my producer ear, like starts to kind of tingle. Fantastic track. Again, I can't compliment it more. Um, but it was yo, so fun to make. <laughs> and you know what? I need to pick your brain on that too, because I'm just like, you know, I'm over here, like what software did you use? What were you th- like, you know, what were some of the things that, cause obviously like you know, people may be familiar with GarageBand, but again, I geek out over those things. So I need to, I might need to uh, talk to you about that offline, but folks, please be sure to follow uh, on Instagram. That is the link will be below in the description section, but folks more, most importantly though, be kind and compassionate to one another, crazy times that we're living in as always, but you as an individual can impact our community and your local community more than anything else. So be kind and compassionate to remember, um, be kind and compassionate to one another. Remember that, um, be patient with one another. And again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming by and hanging out and just talking about, you know, yourself and world building. It was really a treat to have you here. Um, and hopefully we can have you on sooner rather than later. Um, but again, folks, appreciate it. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe um, to the podcast. Leave us a review. Comment down below with what your favorite part was. But most of all, y'all, keep gaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.